Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Hello and welcome to round six of TKO here on Joe Together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show and we'll be with you every Thursday. Very pleased to say our guest this week is the editor online of Boxing News um, and the author of Anthony Joshua's unauthorised biography, uh, John Denon. A man who's fast becoming a a relic in the world of boxing (laughs) who's been around so long. Um, Good to see you, mate. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of how incredibly old I am. That's all right, we've had some good times together in boxing. Carl, uh, with us as always. This week, we're going to be taking you through the latest developments in the world of boxing. Plenty to talk about this week. Anthony Gogo's retirement. Of course, we've got Spence Garcia coming up um, at the weekend as well. We'll come across uh, to all of those um, in a few moments' time. Um, Let's start, though, with the heavyweight division. Yesterday was 20 years since Lewis Holyfield won. Great fight dreadful decision and I think the only thing missing around that fight was the social media storm because of course there was no Twitter but I think given that decision it would have been something similar to what we saw after uh, Wilder and Fury. Yeah I mean it would have been it would have been so big but yeah it goes to show it's not the first time there's been a dodgy decision in boxing not the first time there's been controversy and you know in the media we sort of feed off that it's good to have not good but these talking points do generate huge interest and of course there was a rematch after that fight. There was a rematch. Um, I think there's this weird consensus at the moment that we're in the only era ever when big fights haven't been made. We all know about Riddick Bowe putting his belt in the bin to avoid Lennox Lewis, the step-aside fee um, Mike Tyson paid to Lennox to not fight him. I think it was four million, something mm. like that. This is nothing new, is it, Carl? No, big fights. We're, and, and we're, we're still in the era where it took Pacquiao Mayweather felt like 10 years maybe more mm. to make a make a mega fight and it eventually happened but it happened right at the end of both guys careers that was one of only two occasions where big networks have collaborated hbo and showtime maybe the pacquiao and of course lewis tyson in 2002-3 um to get these big fights over the line with tyson fury now at espn deontay wilder kind of a free agent but of course with loyalties to shelly fink or Heyman and, and showtime <laughs> and of course anthony joshua with the zone do you think it's going to take a collaboration to get those fights over the line i just can't see a collaboration happening it's got no. to be such a massive fight for it to be worth the network's while to do that um, and also, because DAZN are a new entity trying to break into the market, ESPN have massive plans for boxing, massive plans for sport, and launching their own sort of DAZN streaming version with ESPN+. Plus. They've got their stars. They're not going to want their stars to appear on another yeah. network in any shape or form. Uh, so really, a lot of it is re- re- revolving around Deontay Wilder because he's not, he is a free agent. He's advised by Al Heyman, and mm. yes, Al Heyman has his own Premier Boxing Champions mm. and their own channels that that's on. But Wilder is in a position where he could choose to make the super fight we all want to see. Mm. So he's this week been offered a reported, and this is not confirmed, but uh, a three-fight deal on the zone, mm. 40 million... 20 million rather for Dominic Brazil, who we know he's, he's scheduled to fight anyway. And then potentially two fights with Anthony Joshua at 40 million a pop, all on the zone. Now that goes pretty much in opposite contrast to what Shelley Finkel said in an interview with Rob Tebbett earlier this week, in that he said, we're not interested in doing multi-fight deals with other platforms. We may make an exception on a one-fight basis. Um, it just shows you how much difference a few days can make in boxing at the moment. Yeah, of course. Um, you look at Wilder, and Wilder has a choice of which direction he wants to go because he's kind of a free agent here. So if he chooses ESPN, he'll fight Fury eventually. If he chooses the zone, 
he'll uh, he'll fight he'll fight uh, Joshua. So the ball is really in his court. But probably three years ago, we were talking about how much you know we we're talking about UFC taking over and potentially ruining boxing. The end of boxing. There is more money in boxing. Like Wilder is getting offered serious dough. Tyson's been offered. Tyson Fury's been offered serious dough to mm. fight on these different platforms. Boxing is absolutely thriving. Yeah, like Anthony Joshua is getting the biggest payday of his career, yeah. and that's been a very lucrative career. Mm. And he's getting that to fight Jarrell Miller, who yeah. is what his least deserving opponent as a world champion, probably his least opo- deserving Dominic, opponent. Dominic Brazil for for twenty million. Bad. It's Two years ago, that would have been, these would have been unfathomable figures for all of those guys. Yeah. Um, but because they're investing so much in their star, big-name heavyweight, they, they're, gonna, they're not going to want to lose that star, big-name heavyweight to the, their sort of bitter commercial rivals. Mm. So they're sort of, you know, it's great for boxers getting loads of money. I'm intensely rea- rea- relaxed about boxers making a fortune. They deserve it. They're the ones doing the fighting. But... Ultimately, we do need to see the big fights happening because we don't get that excited about just seeing someone earn a fortune, when unfortunately. The, when the huge money isn't offered, like you've got guys like Dillian White reportedly offered $5 million to fight Joshua. A year ago, you'd have snapped that up. But now he's like, hold on a minute, there's a lot more money in that fight. Good um, point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, unless you're offered mega, mega, mega bucks, a lot of these guys... Don't want to take a fight. Parameters are completely shifted. One mm. of the interesting things about the negotiations with Wilder and DeZone is that Eddie Hearn has, has been kind of forcibly made to take a back seat. Could could be very clever engineering on his part because he knows that actually the, the way things have gone, the spats with Espinosa on Twitter and, and the war of words he's had with Shelley Fink. Twitter spats. Great Monday night, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah we haven't had any good fights this year, but we have had a great <laughs> yeah. Twitter spat. Yeah, we had Fowler and Cheeseman simultaneously with Hearn and Espinosa. I was like, refreshing thinking, this is incredible. But... I guess one of the things that Eddie's done is he's, he's created that divide between him and Finkel and Espinosa. Is it a smart move for him to take a backseat in those negotiations? Because do you feel with him involved, they're less likely to happen? Eddie Hearn is like, I know I've given stick over the years, but he's a master promoter. I think he's brilliant at what he does. Um, and I think that him taking a backseat is probably a good thing and, and potentially helps... We talk about taking a back seat. It's just about like him being up front on the camera all the time. I'm sure he's still negotiating behind the scenes. You know what I mean? But I don't think he needs to be as forefront on the TV all the time. A little bit like Chris Eubank and and uh, Eubank Junior. And the Gale that just happened. But the dad take a back. You know, he took a back seat and things come together. Things come together. Yeah, when things go quieter, that's probably a good sign that things are actually happening behind the scenes. Like, I remember when. Eddie Hearn and Scott Quigg appeared on camera waving a big check yeah. about fighting you and you think and then watching that I was thinking well this fight's not going to happen anytime soon mm. and then when it all went quiet actually progress presumably was being yeah. made and actually the, getting the quick fight the thing well. is that's you know that was me being involved in that fight with, with Quigg I knew, I knew the fight was worth a lot more than a million pounds but Scott Quigg coming on TV waving a check going you know I want a fight card from here's a million pound check the guy sitting in, the, in his house watching that on TV is going like, what, a million pounds this is insane. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of money, but yeah. the fight is worth a lot more. And that, that was another, 
probably I think that was another master move by Hearn if they want to give him any credit yeah because if yeah. you don't then if you don't say yes to that offer you then look as if you're avoiding something that the public thinks you should be taking yeah. so there's, there's suddenly pressure on you and I guess that's the difference these days is that we're in the era of the court of public opinion basically on Twitter because everybody gets to see a little bit further behind the curtain than they would have five or even ten years ago mm. yeah well, I would say Eddie Hearn calling Shelley Finkel Shirley Winkle a lot publicly yeah. Didn't seem particularly helpful. The fact that that's all gone quiet must be a good sign. Yeah. But I I suppose getting Wilder on the zone is one thing, then actually to make the Joshua fight, they're going to have to go through Hearn eventually. So when you're watching all of these negotiations take place between Joshua, Wilder, Fury and all the deals, does it make you itch to sort of get back in the mix and and get back out there? Uh, uh, Yeah, kind of. Like, I don't know. It's a hard question. I I don't know if that's making me want to continue on with my career i think i want to continue on my with my career for different reasons but um it's it's entertaining i think listening and watching this stuff on social media which it wasn't happening five ten years ago i think um it gives it gives the, the average joe and a boxing fan a bit more of a voice and and they can get involved in opinions and stuff they don't really know what they're talking about a lot of times yeah. but i think it's I think I don't think it's a bad thing, really, for boxing. Is it as entertaining when it's about you? So, say the check comes up with Quig and Eddie Hearn, does that stuff still make you laugh as much as when you see Tyson Fury messing about with Deontay uh, Wilder? Yeah, well, I, I can laugh about that now. I remember at the time, I was thinking, these fucking assholes, you know what I mean? And I was really annoyed and furious with it. But now, looking back, I can I can laugh at that stuff and... I know about it, you know what I mean? I know I know this game. I feel like I know it inside out and uh and I know the negotiations and how they go on, but it's it's funny. It's funny for mm. me kind of being on the outside and, and watching it watching it go on. Mm. Um other news in the in the heavyweight division, potentially Alexander Usyk, the undisputed cruiserweight champion, uh will make his debut we think could be May, and it looks, rumour has it like it would be Chicago. Um, huge Ukrainian community in Chicago, John, and that could end up being a, a, a stateside home for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him stepping into the heavyweight division is exciting. He's a brilliant fighter. He's a big cruiserweight, but he's fast, great footwork. Uh, he could really, like, shake things up. He's, you know, the other heavyweights are giants. You know, they're massive, heavy-handed, but Usyk presents a completely different style yeah. and he's he has some experience at super heavyweight there was this thing called the world series of boxing that was a sort of league of teams for olympic boxers but it was boxed like pro yeah. style under pro rules and that he boxed in that at beat super joe heavyweight joyce in that as he well. beat joe joyce and uh, you know and looked pretty good doing mm. it in the process mm. so uh it'll be fascinating to see how he does at heavyweight i think they might be looking at michael hunter who he's fought before as a pro and beaten before as a pro. Boxing Monte but, Carlo, Hunter. It's good as well. Yeah, he's, he, Hunter's moved up to heavyweight previously and he got a good win over Bacoli in London. So, interesting fight for Usyk to test the waters. I guess, ultimately, history tells us that if a, if a smaller man is going to have success in the heavyweight division, whether it's Evander Holyfield or David Hay or Alexander Usyk, mm. they've got to be good on their feet. Yeah, they've had to move and, and Usyk can't move. And I think... The two examples you, you brought up are Holy, Holyfield and David Hay. They're prime examples. Usyk, is he 
is he as good as Evander Holyfield? It's it's difficult to say. Is he as good as David Hay? Probably. Mm. But um, it's it's an interesting mix to the heavyweight division where you've got three guys, Joshua, Tyson Fury and Wilder. If you fire um, Usyk into the mix, it just uh, it creates a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. Mm. But is Usyk's chin going to be good enough to stand up to that kind of power? Mm. Perturbiev will hold him in the amateurs, but then Perturbiev does hit like yeah. hit like a meal. I guess that is the, the defining question. Um, are we going to see Fury Joshua, Wilder Fury 2, um, or Wilder Joshua in the next 18 months? What do you reckon, John? Uh, as things stand now, unfortunately... I think you've got to say no, because all three of the top names seem to have different affiliations. That could change very quickly. Wilder's in this week's Boxing News saying, you know, the Joshua fight could happen sooner than you all think. But I, you know, two months ago, I was extremely optimistic about the future of boxing and about the state of the heavyweight division. Now I'm pessimistic, and I think it's going to be hard to make those fights happen, which is very unfortunate, actually, very unfortunate for the sport. Because mm-hmm. the big, you know, we talked about having to wait for Mayweather and Pacquiao to fight each other. But during all those years of waiting, they were still fighting big names. You know, Mayweather still fought Hatton, who was a big name, fought Marquez, all these fights at heavyweight. There aren't that many people out there. Other who, than the that's the thing. Who do they fight if they're not fighting each other? You're always going to be disappointed with the opponent. Well, look Dominic at the public mm. reception to Gerald Miller and Dominic Brazil <laughs> as two oppositions. Mm. And aside from Dylan White, they're the two kind of prime contenders and people are, are brutally uh, unhappy If, with them. if yeah. they're going to be on different networks, there's going to be a rotation of, you know, Dominic Brazil, um, Miller and... And Dillian White, that's that's what it's going to be. There's there's not a lot of Povetkin yeah. as well, um, but we want to see them fighting each other. But again, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah, and the problem with them not fighting each other is people just won't. I'm not sure how interested people will be in watching, you know, them fight the second tier heavyweights. Whether it's people like Oscar Rivas or Kubrat Pulev yeah, or yeah. people that the general public aren't really familiar mm. with, and if you know, and then they'll just. There's so many other things to do. People will just tune out of boxing, unfortunately. I think Miller is a, is a, is a good fit. While they're not fighting each other, I think, um, although they're getting a little bit of stick, Anthony Joshua and, and Eddie Hearn, I think Miller is a good fight for Anthony Joshua to make his DSA debut. I think it's, mm. a, it's a big fight. It's not an easy fight. It's a fight that he'll win, but I think it's a, I think it's a good fight. Go on, John. If it does lead to a wilder fight, then it will look like a genius move. Mm. If if after the Miller fight we are where we are now, not knowing what next, waiting to see if you know Joe Joyce gets a shot at heavyweight title, the the boxing public will will not be happy. My producer size made a brilliant point in my ear while you two have been yakking away, <laughs> um, and this is something I've heard actually in recent years from a few different people because of the influx of money that's come into boxing in recent years um, or, or sorry rather uh, into other sports uh, NFL basketball um, athletes who could earn money getting punched in the face are actually earning more money going and running about on a field chucking a ball around and as a result that has diluted the heavyweight talent pool of some of these big athletes who in past years wouldn't have maybe had the option of of playing those other sports for that money mm. do you think 
that the way sport is set up in the States has maybe diluted the talent pool and has just left us with the Jarrell Millers um, and some of the other guys a bit further down. And if those sports weren't necessarily as lucrative as they were, that we'd actually see a deeper talent pool in the heavyweight division stateside. I mean, I think there is a massive gulf between the top three and the rest. Like the top half of the world top 10 is way better than the bottom half. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, that might have been a problem in heavyweight boxing for many years now, you know, since the sort of golden era of heavyweights. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it seems to be getting worse, even though there are some good young heavyweights coming up. Um, It's hard to say, basically. So Mm. my answer is, I don't know. Of course, we remember, and you were there, as was I, at London 2012, um, to see Anthony Joshua's kind of incarnation into the world of boxing. Another man who was there and showed a great deal of promise was Anthony Agogo, who, of course, has had a completely contrasting fortune to Anthony Joshua. um, Retired earlier on this week after a really, really difficult um, few years, Carl. Very sad to see. Yeah, it was sad to see, and I I read a statement, and um, Anthony was someone with so much potential he had a tremendous amateur career he won an Olympic medal but when you win an Olympic medal you're kind of expected to do well as a professional um, and because of injury and, and other things he never really reached those heights hmm. um, it was a little bit sad for me reading and I, I could you know I could I listened to that and I read it and I was like you know, it, it hit me a little bit listening to what he had to say and I felt upset for him. I don't know Anthony personally, but um, this is a guy who wanted to get to the very top, couldn't do it as a professional. A lot of it to do with injury, but um, it was it was a little bit emotional for me reading it, you know. And I know you've known him for a long time as well. You saw him early this week uh, at the announcement. How was he? Uh, he was just coming to terms with it. I think he only kind of had to admit he couldn't keep going just like 10 days before he finally released his statement. And yeah, it's it's very sad. There's no real upside. All he wants to do is box. He's not an old man. Mm. He's 30. And he feels like he's got all this uh, unfulfilled potential, which he does. But he had a horrendous string of injuries. Like Even as an amateur, he had a few injuries that he had to come Mm. back from. But as a pro, he had problems with his Achilles tendon, his shoulder. He had to box and win with a dislocated shoulder. And then his eye was just awful. So a couple of years ago, his eye socket got fractured, affected his whole vision. So he couldn't, you know, he was fighting Craig Cunningham and could see one of him over here Mm. on his side and the other one there, swinging and missing by a mile, getting battered at getting worse. And then for two and a half years, he's been having operation after operation, trying to come back. uh, And it's just not, it's just not possible. He's got the commercial security from, from you yeah. know, Wasserman, who've really looked after him since he turned over. And I suppose, not in a, not in a cynical way, but he's done brilliantly out of them, given the, the, the lack of inacti- the inactivity that he's shown over the last five or six years through no fault of his own. Um, it, it must just be difficult to work out where, where the hell you go now at 30 years of age, having not fulfilled anything that you thought you were going to. I think so, but I think Anthony is probably in a lucky position where commercially like he's appealing for for other people um i can kind of imagine him being like a what do you call the gymnast who's constantly on tv now hmm. lewis what's his name the gymnast you oh, uh, lewis smith yeah i can kind of imagine anthony ago being like a boxing version of lewis smith he'll, he'll get a lot of work good looking guy um i think he'd be fine commercially but um again all he wanted to do was be a professional world champion and it's got to it's got to hurt him that 
he's you know he's had to come to terms with the fact that he can't do that anymore. Yeah, very very difficult. Yeah, I did a long interview with him the other day, so it's like talking for 50 minutes about all this kind of stuff and the last thing it ended on was him just saying you know I just want a box mm. and so there was no there was no relief that this injury saga was over no sort of no satisfaction that he got an Olympic bronze medal which is a real achievement but he just felt like he'd never had even that moment. was difficult because his mum got ill weeks before the Olympics and so he almost didn't he almost didn't go, did he, to 2012? He almost pulled out. And so I just felt, I feel like he always has felt like at every hurdle something's gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, his amateur career was pretty epic in that, yeah. you know, he had this amazing fight with a Russian in Baku where he'd hurt his arm and beat him with one hand, but then didn't qualify for the Olympics that time around. Had to have his, you know, had to come back from that operation. Then he was boxing this Georgian in Trabzon uh, and he was like, six points down I can't exactly remember how many but in that point scoring system that's like an impossible deficit in the last round but anyway he came back won that qualified was going to the Olympics but then his mother got really badly ill and he was you know he was out the gym to be at her bedside in hospital then he decided to go to the Olympics kind of for her got a horrible draw got this Kytrov who was the reigning world champion he was an absolute beast uh, you know that was a tough tough three round you know vicious bout he got through it on a count back. It was really close, but great crowd atmosphere. Uh, and then he got his medal and was think, you know, obviously he wanted to go all the way. So he looks at it as a sort of failure because he got got the bronze. But objectively, it was, you know, quite a feat, yeah, quite something to do. Wasn't really expected to, to do a lot in the Olympics, I don't think. Um, but to come away with, first of all, the boxing in Olympic Games is huge. But Just to get there. Yeah. But um, it's something I regret myself. But to come away with a, a medal is, um, especially when you're not really expected. And I, I'm right in saying that he wasn't really expected. Like at the time, no, he wasn't expected he, to win yeah. medal or, or pick up a medal. Yeah, you're absolutely right because he didn't have a major medal mm. at a sort of world championship or Europeans, as I remember it. And the sort of other guys on the team were more likely to do well. Yeah. Like Tom Storger had won ev- a medal course, at almost yeah. every major. Obviously, there was a lot of hype around Joshua even there. And Campbell as well had a, had a fair bit of buzz exactly. around Exactly, he was a world silver medalist. But um, One person that always says a similar thing is he's Darren Barker. He always says, oh, one thing I, I regret is not having gone to an Olympic Games, obviously mm-hmm. Commonwealth champion. What are the, what's the regret from, from your end of not going to Olympic Games? Um, well, I regret not... I wasn't selected. I... I was a good amateur i wasn't a brilliant amateur um for olympic qualification for beijing it was me and david oliver joyce who's night term professional mm. um he was the number one guy in ireland um he qualified for rio didn't he went to rio he did but at, at the time in, in beijing he was kind of selected in front of me he had the chance to go to four qualifiers i felt like i should have been given the chance to go to one and i never was um like it was it kind of it's not really a it is a regret but it's not a massive regret because I've done so well as a professional and I'm re- very very happy with my pro career but you know not going to a major tournament for me it was it was kind of kind of a big deal the Commonwealth Games especially I'd love to have represented Northern Ireland in the Commonwealth Games but I never had the chance to do that I was beaten by a guy called Ryan Lindbergh and the Ulsters and uh, I have a I have a few regrets as an amateur but as a pro I've uh, I feel like I always feel like I've overachieved, really. Mm. Well, they changed the rules for 2016. So if you wanted to rejoin the island team... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. 
Will they get? Uh, yeah, I was going to say because they wouldn't get head, head goals to fit you, but they don't need them. Probably. Anymore, yeah. I'm trying to get my head here. <laughs> a wide enough shot on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big dome. Body of a body of a featherweight ahead of a super heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're listening to TKO with Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton on Joe together with 32 Red. You can subscribe via the usual channels. We'll be with you every Thursday. Now he's Alex Payne, James Haskell, and the guys from House of Rugby with something a little bit different. Chris, thank you very much indeed. It's just a moment or two for us to duck in and tell you about the House of Rugby with James Haskell and Mike Tindall. We're having a lot of fun. What are we trying to do with the show? Why should people be watching and listening? <laughs> we are Tracy trying to mix going, up. It's, this is going into another show so that people come and watch us. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, oh, some nice people. Right. Well, we should basically watch House of Rugby because it's unbelievable humour. We don't talk about any rugby, uh, and we give you the inside track from people who are still actually involved in rugby, not old six-year-olds who don't know anything. Download us via YouTube. You can no, you can, you can as you can tell, we're a very professional outfit. You can watch us via YouTube and download us via iTunes. I hope you'll join us at some point. It's a lot of fun, really. Thanks, gents. Okay, we're back with our guest, John Denon, uh, online editor of Boxing News and, of course, author of Anthony Joshua's Unauthorised Biography. John, good to have you with us. Um, we're going to be previewing uh, Spence Garcia in a few moments' time. And, John, you're going to be taking our 32-second challenge with oh, 32 God. Red. Looking forward to watching you fold under the pressure. <laughs> Unlike Chris Eubank, yeah. he was on his game. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm a big game player. Can't wait. Oh, yeah, it was a 32-minute challenge. <laughs> um, big news broke last night. WBO orders uh, Sergei Kovalev and Anthony Yard. Um, if no agreement can be reached, they'll go to purse bids within 30 days. Um, of course, Tindy Ajay and Anthony Yard have been talking about it, but quite a shock announcement, I think, from the WBO, John. Yeah, well, not a shock in the sense that Anthony Yard had got himself highly ranked and was mm. sort of in the frame to get his shot at the world champion but the fact they're ordering it now it seems you know it's it seems it seems very soon for Anthony Yard he hasn't really fought the people to bridge yeah. the gap between the level he's been operating at and not just any old world champion a very good one in certain mm. Kovalev it's a uh, yeah I, I, I feel like it was a strange one but I feel, I feel like Anthony Yard who's kind of been built up and he I think he's been monetary for quite a while now, has he? Yeah, for, um, for quite a while. Or at least number one. Well, number yeah. one in the yeah. But, but he, he's, year, only, yeah. he's only had, is it 18? 17, 18, yeah. 17, 18 pro mm. fights. Um, yeah. Didn't have a great amateur career. Um, didn't have a, a long amateur career, but he's now, you know, going from fighting guys, okay guys, no real standout names to fighting Kovalev. It's a big ask. It's a big ask, but... Are him and his team thinking we've got him at the right time? He's what is he? Thirty five, thirty six, thirty five. Certainly, after the first Alida Alvarez fight where he was knocked out, mm. you would have argued that that there was a case to be made. He was on the slide, but actually, under Buddy McGurk in the rematch, he looked a renewed fighter. Yeah, I mean that's good win. You know, turning things around, and yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to say he's on the slide when he's when he's done that. But maybe maybe Anthony Yard's team has seen something. He's just he's not the youngest guy in the world. That's that's my concern with Kovalev. But and Yard is a young, fresh guy. hasn't been any any wars. hasn't been in really a difficult fight at all. Um, so there's a couple of questions here. Is he is he ready for Kovalev? And is Kovalev over the hill slightly? Because. Ultimately, John, we're looking at a guy who's just beaten a 38-year-old Travis Reeves at, at the Royal Albert Hall. Great venue, by the way. Um, 
and as far as we can tell, some of the best people he've sparred are sort of a 2017 Craig Richards, people like Andre Sterling, who, don't get me wrong, are good British-level fighters, but they're no Sergei Kovalev in 10-ounce gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they don't prepare you for that. There's no Yard will be a massive underdog going into this fight if it happens. You know there are a lot the negotiations still to take place. Mm. A lot, a lot could happen between now and this potentially taking place. But maybe he'll be such an underdog that you know if he, you know if he does do some something better than expected, he'll come back with his reputation enhanced and have elevate and you know have elevated himself in the process a bit. You know, a bit like Callum Johnson. I thought say, he yeah. was—he was—I thought he was almost doomed against Baturbiev, but then he did drop Baturbiev, and even though he got stopped in turn, he's—he's he's in the frame for another world title shot. Mm. If Anthony Yard acquitted himself well and came back, there are decent British light heavyweights to fight. Obviously yeah. Joshua Boazzi, but even you know Lyndon Arthur and people like that, who's a Frank Warren promoted fighter. Those, those are good. Craig Richards, those are good British guys to fight. Maybe he's thinking come back and do that. But yeah. um, I think that's the problem. You look at his list of opponents, and without sounding derogatory to any of them, if you get like there, there a lot of them are like. They're okay fighters. A lot of them are like Eastern European names that no one really knows. And you read like an Eastern European name. The average Joe wants to see like an American name or a, you know, someone, an American who's maybe just slightly past it would have been a better name than some of the Eastern Europeans he's fighting. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And I guess when you look at it, fringe world level competitors, somebody like a Sullivan Barrera is a perfect yeah. acid test yeah. before Kovalev. But of course, if they're worried that there's a possibility he loses that fight, then of course the opportunity to fight a world champion and secure a world title disappears altogether. Yeah, like when you go up the, light, the, the levels, especially at light heavyweight, they get pretty dangerous pretty quickly. It's like a murderer's row of, <laughs> of, uh, of sort of fighters, isn't it? Um, okay, let's talk about Casey Taylor fights in the world lightweight unification uh, against Rose Volante in Philadelphia. Um, thoughts on that, John? Because she's fast becoming... Uh, kind of a, a global star of boxing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's sensational her unifying world titles really quite quickly in her professional career. I know in women's boxing, the sort of strength and strength and depth in the pros isn't isn't there so much. But Katie Taylor has, you know, she, we know she's a brilliant boxer from her Olympic exploits, and she seems to have settled into professional style of boxing. Mm. I mean. It's very hard, actually, switching from amateur to yeah. pro, especially when you spent so long as an amateur. That sort of that style's ingrained in you. Yeah, she's a uh, quality, absolute quality, written all over. How many fights she had, John? Uh, how many fights did she have, Chris? How many fights did she have, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> she's been quite fighting quite frequently, actually. Yeah, yeah. So she's been fighting quite often and in world title fights, but she still moved fast. No, she has, she has, and um, she's twelve and zero. I'm hearing, lads. It's a good job all? someone's on the ball. Is that all? Though? <laughs> Cheers, si. Yeah, which is amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. You t- that's kind of Lomachenko levels of, of speed to, to world title ratio. Uh, as John said, the strength and depth in, in female boxing isn't there, but to be a unified champion already and, and well on our way to being an undisputed champion, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Mm, it is. Do you know her? Yeah. Nice girl. Sparta a couple of times. Flipping yeah, was that uh, like? Didn't go well for me, to be honest. <laughs> really? Um, she, she, Katie was like super fast, and I felt like when I was sparring her, she was probably a better boxer than me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but my strength kind of 
made her tired and he used to like lie on her and push her around and stuff. But um, in terms of skill level, she's I'm here and she's she's there. Really? Yeah. What yeah. does she do so well? Just so, so fast, so so fast. It's really difficult, and yeah, she's very good. I don't want to say too much because yeah, she uh, she bothered me a couple of times, but um, <laughs> amazing. I uh, yeah, I tried my best. <laughs> and her dad, it was it was strange. Her dad Pete used to used to make her spar with like decent amateurs, and her dad was always watching the the spars. I remember sparring her in the. I think her dad had asked me to come down to spar in Dublin in the. Irish high performance unit and it was kind of like when she's getting tired he's giving her advice but he's in my ear saying put it on her you know push her back you know get stuck in that's interesting yeah wow that's really cool it's um a, it's amazing to think that she was in the first ever sort of licensed amateur female boxing bout in ireland alana oddly yeah she boxed that's right yeah yeah Alana Murphy. Uh, Alana Murphy now. She's no, no. Alana Audley Murphy, but now it's a different oh, name. She's married now. She's yeah. married. Yeah. Alana Nile now, isn't yeah. she? Jez, Jez Nile's wife. Yeah, I mean, to come to base, you know, to basically start the sport off in Ireland and then to come all this way and still be at the top of the game. Yeah. And Katie Taylor was integral to finally getting women's boxing in the Olympics as well. Yeah. So and such such a nice girl. Really, really nice human being. Really good, good, good girl. And uh, yeah, I I'm really enjoying watching her career. Let's try and get her on the show at some point, then, should we? Why not? That'd be good. There are a lot of good female boxers out there. It's really a case of numbers. So you know, the more for that for, for that side of the sport to develop, there need to be more events for women mm. in the UK. There need to be sort of high profile, sort of international amateur events outside of world championships and more box cup type things but yeah. across mainland europe maybe they're not that many places for women in the olympics that's probably going to change all those kind all those kind of things are important mm. for for f- yeah for developing the sport so mm. we'll see how it goes in the uk um big fight this weekend in texas where you have uh, you've boxed the course against yeah. uh, alejandro gonzalez yeah. um l spence and mikey garcia um a lot of movement on Garcia, certainly in the last couple of weeks. A lot of people are now gravitating towards him. What are your thoughts on this fight, John? Stepping up two weight divisions against arguably the best at 147. Yeah, I mean, like Garcia is very good, but I just, I just think fundamentally a good big guy beats a good little yeah. guy. That's an unfortunate it's almost like that was a cliche. It's, it's pretty basic. I that that increases yeah. Cliche, yeah. But that, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's... It's going to be the same. A good back. Uh, I actually said it in my Sunday life column that I do back home. Just uh, getting that in there. Um, <laughs> I uh, I said a good big guy beats a good small guy. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Or just just general cliches that have been recycled. No time. cliche left unturned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's one of our favourites. That's, that's a great one. Love it. Conrad Cummings' favourite one. Was um, it No Stone Left Unturned? No stone, no stone Left Unturned. It annoys me every time he says it, but he, he continues to say it. <laughs> the sh- I mean, it is an interesting fight and probably the best matchup so far this year, mm. which I think says more about how quiet the first three mm. months 2019 had been. But it's you know I personally would have loved to have seen Garcia fighting Lomachenko. Yeah, you know, lightweight unification. Yeah, he's it, good enough to really threaten Lomachenko. Well, it, it gets me. This is a fight that gets me really excited. I think it's a h- absolutely huge fight. 
I think it's not only the best fight of this year, I think it potentially could be one of the biggest fights of the last maybe five years. Mm. I think it's a it's a really big ask for Mickey Garcia. I think all the pressure is on Earl Spence because he's the bigger guy and, and a lot of people are expecting him to win. But it's a fight that like I can't wait for it. If Garcia wins, does he go to the top of your pound for pound list? Um, uh, it's got to be close. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'd have him after Lomachenko, but you know, me and Lomachenko go so far back. <laughs> <laughs> now, interesting. Both of them are top ten. Yeah, are they? Yeah. Are, they are they both top five? Well, if, I think if Garcia beats Spence, he'd have to be top five. Yeah, that's a massive. Garcia's but right now, really are they top five? Right now, what do you reckon? You're the guy that does the rankings. Who's your top five? <laughs> I'm the guy who types up the rankings before we decide. I'd have him in the top ten, maybe not in the top five. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. Because I think, who would you have in your top five? Lomachenko, Canelo, Canelo Golovkin. Crawford. Yeah. And then someone else. Someone else <laughs> who's yet to be determined. Um, I think a lot of people felt when it was first announced that this was maybe Mikey Garcia doing the classic, moving away from the Lomachenko fight because he perhaps didn't want it and actually losing to Errol Spence far less detrimental to his career long term than it would be losing to Lomachenko. Mm. And I guess as a result of that, combined with the injury to Richard Comey, has left the door open for Anthony Crawler. Massive opportunity for him at 135. Lot of, um, lot of negativity from the British fight fans yeah. towards this fight, which, don't know how you felt towards that, been a little bit annoying to read in an era where so many people got behind Ricky Hatton when he went over to fight Floyd Mayweather. We were so patriotic with our football team when we go to the World Cup, yet this fight, people haven't really been quite as positive as maybe they could have been towards Crawler. Yeah, but what people want to see is competitive fights. Yeah. So... From Crawler's point of view, he's a former world champion. He's won his eliminator. He deserves his shot at the title. Mm. Yes, I understand that. But the general public want to see competitive fights, and they don't think Lomachenko Crawler is going to be competitive. Like Anthony is a massive underdog in that fight. He lost, you know, he, he lost fairly conclusively to Lenar, Jorge Linares. Of course, Lomachenko mm. beat pretty well. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm looking forward to seeing the fight because I like watching Lomachenko yeah. work. And they're not like who else? Who else is, is, does he have with Tommy injured? I think he's got a lot of unfirst on the on this fight. Um, again, he, he won an eliminator. Um, who else? Who else for Lomachenko? Well, yeah. potentially Tiafimo Lopez in 12 months' time, but maybe not right yeah. now. But you, it was too soon for Lopez, isn't it? You would stick him in there, with Lomachenko. But then, yeah. what does Lomachenko do? Because if your logic is well, Lomachenko can't fight anyone because he's levels above them. Does he have to go to 140? Because he's pretty small at 135. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy. No, not or... the biggest guy. And it's mm. not easy stepping up. I mean, you look at the guys in uh, Baranchik, Josh Taylor. Look at, look at the 140 division. They're not just big guys. They're killers as well. Mm. Um, at what point does, does Lomachenko have to go, well, there's no one left for me to fight? Well, what he needs to do is become undisputed at lightweight. Right. So... It's unfortunate with Richard Comey being injured. That would have been a good fight. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy watching the Crawler fight because it's a great story. Anthony yeah. Crawler is, you know, the archetypal underdog who's come back from, you know, being clonked over the head with a brick to win a world title he wasn't ex expected to win. It's almost a shame that it's happening in America because Crawler fills up the MEN Arena yeah. in Manchester. That would have been an amazing atmosphere, and you'd have got to see one of the world's be one of the best fighters on the planet in the UK. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's going to be hard for Brits to get behind him because they're going to have to get up at two in the morning to watch it. I'm also quite surprised that Lomachenko didn't want to come and fight over here, given that he was around for Usyk Belly fight week in, in yeah. Manchester, and the atmosphere there was off the chart, and he will obviously know how great the fight fans are here and, and what sort of atmosphere they can create. Are you surprised? It, that well, I don't know if I'm surprised. It looked like for a while that he was potentially coming to fight here, which I'd have been very excited about. I'd have mm. definitely been there to watch that fight. But, um, you know, in this boxing game, you do what you're told, pretty much. And um, top rank and uh, the, the network that he's on don't want him to fight in the UK. That's the the bottom line, really. Yeah, it's part of this sort of network battle in that ESPN want their star on at prime time mm. in the US, and one of their stars is Lomachenko. So, from that point of view, it's almost how the sort of power in boxing has shifted. Because even just a year or two ago, with the money there was in British boxing, with the sequence of pay per views, we were bringing stars over here. Like Golovkin came yeah. over here to fight Kel Brook. Mm. Usyk came over here to fight Tony Belly because the money was here. Now, in the space of a year, the money's in America, and we're even seeing lots of our top-name British fighters going over there, not just Cruller. Luke N- Campbell's fighting on an undercard. Yeah, I nearly nearly fought him as an amateur as well, yeah. Lomachenko, in the Ahmed Kamar tournament in Istanbul. Um, first round, I drew a Ukrainian. Lomachenko, at Fellerwit, was the number one Ukrainian, but he wasn't sent because he was injured. So I fought the number two and beat him. Wow. And uh, Did Lomachenko have a reputation even back uh, every, I was like, yeah. I, I thought I was fighting Lomachenko for a while. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's going on here? You know what I mean? How's this draw happen? But um, it was actually a number two. But Lom- I, I'd actually like to have fought him. Wouldn't yeah. have beat him. But I'd like to have seen how I'd done against him. What a fighter. Sam Maxwell in the World Series boxing for the British Lionhearts, fought him twice in the space of about two months. So he had 10 rounds against him. This is in, what, 2014-15? And actually acquitted himself really, really well. And he said, although he lost both, he said it brought him on a lot. I mean, there's no one like Lomachenko. He's got such a... Well, it's like when he came on the scene... Did you, were you guys thinking about his sort of style? Had you seen well, someone we, like we him used to watch, I remember as an amateur, we used to watch a lot of the Ukrainian stuff. Like we had a, we had a, a Georgian coach in the Irish team, Tsar Antia. Um, and a lot of the stuff to do, like pulling the glove down and hitting someone. Yep. That's like a new Ukrainian totally thing. New thing. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it sounds so basic, but no one was doing that. 10 years ago and he's doing, he does a guard lift as well so he reaches out he pulls up enough and throws the yeah. backhand through it's mad stuff he's got he's got a really unique style a complete style of his own there's never been a fighter ever before like Lomachenko I, I, I love to watch him and his dad of course is now coaching Usyk so everyone in the heavyweight division is sort of sweating buckets knowing how good he is already um I mean, Anthony Crawler, we're going to go and see him next week. So I hope he doesn't watch this episode because we're bigging up Lobachenko so much. But, um, you know, he's got a great story. So we'll head up to uh, to Bolton and and catch up with him next week and and good luck to him. Um, Before we go, John, thank you very much for your time, by the way. And I know you're slightly dreading this, but I quite like the fact that you're dreading this. Um, We're going to do the 32 second challenge with 32 red uh, with John Denon. So word association. So I just say whatever pops into my brain. Uh, Yeah, keep it clean. Um... (laughs) So we're going to start the clock. Mm-hmm. Are you ready, John? So what, and this has to be done in 32 seconds. 32 seconds. I'll give you a shout when it's up. All quick. Right. Quick, John. All right. You know dandyism or any of that. Just, just keep it one word if you can. Okay. 
All right, you ready? Yes. Okay. Wilder. Uh, heavy-handed. Fury. Mover. Joshua. Good. White. Unlucky. TV rights. <laughs> Boring. Frampton. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> Next British world champion. Luke Campbell. Anthony Crawler. Good luck. Scariest fighter on the, pr- on the planet. Oh, this is such a good question. I think about this so much. I'm frightened of everyone. Yusick. <laughs> uh, Crufts. Crufts. Surprisingly compelling viewing. <laughs> Correct. Stop. Correct. <laughs> I'm glad we got it in, actually, because you were tweeting about that. What, um, Crufts? Yeah, I spent my weekend watching Crufts. Really? Enjoy Crufts? Yeah, well... It gets really boring at the later stages, but there are moments where these dogs are barreling around catching balls. It's great. This it, is the real no, I mean, John it's Denham. not great, well, they, but I'd never it, watched it before. Where my dad works in Belfast, um, it's a leisure centre, Lockside, and they used to have a, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier show, like <laughs> once a year, and it was a big show, and I, I think I'm right in saying if you won that, you got in the cross. So it is. Right. I mean, I'm not actually an expert <laughs> on crafts. I just, uh, you know, I've never had a dog, so I just watch them on TV. A lot of cheating goes on. I remember as a kid, this is strange. I remember as a kid in my dad's work, like, there was, so they used to, they used to show staffs and English bull terriers. And in the corridors of the leisure centre, the white English bull terriers, like, there was talc everywhere. So they'd be putting talc on them to make them more white. And uh, the black ones, they'd be rubbing them and like boot polish and stuff. No. We need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> and you thought I there thought was scandal boxing in boxing. Forget about it. This is, this is where the scandal is. To be fair, I wasn't impressed with the dog that won Crufts this weekend. What was it? Just, I don't know, some basic small dog. There were some way more charismatic on, dogs what, that what got t- eliminated. What, what type of dog was it if you're a Crufts fan? You need to be able to tell me the <laughs> you breed. Can't, you can't say basic small, small dog. <laughs> yeah, no, just a basic small dog. It didn't have personality, in my opinion. It wasn't a mongrel, was it? It can't uh, be a mongrel and be in Crufts, can well, it? I don't think so. No, no, it can't. It, absolutely not. It has to be pure, purebred. Yeah. I feel we've strayed onto a topic that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is, not this an isn't expert, making it. Let's be, let's be perfectly honest. Good. Um, well, John, great to see you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show uh, and talking to us about the lie of the land. We'll see you again very soon. Carl, thank you as always. Uh, and thank you at home for watching. Tico, round six done and dusted here on Joe. Remember, you can check out some of our other shows, including House of Rugby with James Haskell. And of course, Boys Don't Cry with Russell Kane. Well, worth a watch we'll be back in seven days time we're heading to bolton to catch up with anthony crawler head of the biggest fight against his life against the 135 pound king vasil lomachenko we'll see you next week you've been listening to tko on joe together with 32 red